Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Are you ready to find happiness? Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, the show all about destigmatizing mental illnesses, dismantling society's version of perfection, and helping you to find your own meaning of happiness. Join me, your host, Carolyn Farrick, as I have open, honest, and vulnerable conversations about my own mental health and my diagnosis with OCPD, a perfectionism personality disorder. We all deserve to find happiness on our own terms, and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. Hey there, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast. This is your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I am unable to function right now, clearly, because I've been doing this uh, intro here for 15 minutes now, but it's fine. It's nothing new. We're here. We're trying our best. We showed up. That's all that matters. Um, I'm a little out of my element this week because as you can tell if you're watching on YouTube, my lighting looks a little different. That is because I am filming at night. It is a Saturday night and I'm sitting here recording a podcast um, and recapping my week and everything I learned this week for all of you. I do have a little Moscow mule. I'm having a little drink right now because I'm actually celebrating. And you may ask, what are you celebrating? What's going on? What happened? What's what's the deal? I'm celebrating getting through the past seven days. I'm celebrating being at this point, getting through everything that I cracked open last week in therapy. I'm just celebrating that I've made it through another week. And that is where I'm at right now. But I will be recapping my week more in depth during therapy think. I'll let you guys know kind of what happened after I went through therapy last week, what I did this week, and how I got to where I'm at right now. But before we jump into therapy think, I did want to share some information that I found with you guys. I did some research this week. I actually found some studies online through the National Institute of Medicine surrounding OCPD, and that research actually led me into a discussion with all of you on Instagram, which I will be recapping for everybody because my followers on Instagram said they would like me to recap this on the podcast. So if you don't follow the Instagram, just keep listening. I will explain everything. If you do follow the Instagram and you did participate in the discussion that we had, I will be reading responses and shouting a couple people out. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. So this rabbit hole of research actually started because I wanted to just go on my computer, get something done really quick the one night. And I opened up my email and I had an email from stuff. (sighs) I have such a bad time saying S's. Stuffthatworks.health. It is a research community for people with different diagnoses. Um, If there's not a lot of research out about your specific diagnosis, your specific disorder. It's a place for people with that disorder to come together, discuss, you know, share their own experiences. So then stuff that works can pull this information from everybody's responses and then share it with the community at large. So it shares, you know, these are the most common symptoms associated with OCPD. This is what 83% of people said 
it like makes their symptoms worse, all that kind of stuff. They pull from people who are actually diagnosed with these disorders and then gives them a place, a portal almost to go on and interact with other people. You can ask other people questions. There's discussion boards and it just kind of helps people feel less alone. So when I found stuff that works and I found the OCPD community, I was so excited because I was like, great, there's more people out there. This is a great resource because there's not a ton of information. So maybe I can learn something from people who've been dealing with this longer than I have to help me better understand myself and what I'm going through. And so somebody posted a discussion post or something like that. So I went over there and I haven't been on the research community in probably like a month or two. And I haven't really been keeping up with the polls and the questions and things like that. So I started by just deep diving into all of those discussion posts, all of the new polls, any new research, any new insights, that kind of stuff. And as I was reading, I found some things that I am aware of that I do myself, but I didn't know were OCPD associated. So realizing those things just from the discussion post prior to any like in-depth research that I did, um, I think was pretty interesting. So <laughs> the first symptom that, that I found was really disheartening to me because I don't know, I think I have a sense of humor. I think I can sometimes be funny, not always, but sometimes there's a rare occasion but one of the first things I found was that people with OCPD tend to lack a sense of humor because they're so rigid or strict on rule following. And they're like, no, it has to be done this way. There's no space for humor or anything like that. So that was like disheartening, like I said, because I'm like, damn, I thought I, I, I thought I had a good sense of humor. I thought I was funny, but I don't know. Maybe it's all the trauma that just really brings out my sense of humor. You know, I'm just a special OCPD individual. <laughs> Um, the next symptom that I found really hit me and it perfectly like described me. Um, so people described having trouble picking out their clothes. Like they get really obsessed almost like it's a compulsion, like an obsession that they have to, you know, match and the colors have to be perfect in their outfit. And is it too, you know, much? Is it not comfortable? Am I going to be like moving weird in this? Like all of those kind of, you know, things you think would, I think at least would be a normal process of putting together an outfit and getting ready for the day. Um, but it said, you know, people with OCPD will spend like hours trying to like figure out what they're going to wear figure out their clothing there's a lot of indecisiveness a lot of self-doubt because it's that I need to have this perfect image I need my look to be perfect so people don't perceive me any less than perfect so that one really spoke to me the other one oh my god this one really hurt this one hurts so bad um People said that they have trouble sending texts. So this woman posted about her husband actually in the group and she was saying, it was really heartbreaking actually. She was saying his obsession was like finding women on the internet who weren't her to have sex with. And she was being really vulnerable. So I don't want to negate that, you know, this is a horrible experience that she's going through. Her husband's compulsion is literally cheating on her. But something that she said in it really stood out to me and it was that he was getting so bad and his OCPD was taking so much control that 
his perfectionism was preventing him from responding to texts. Like it would take him two to three hours to send just a simple text or any type of text because he was overthinking what he would send for that long. And this one is so me because I hate texting, not because I don't care how people are doing. I hate texting because it gives me so much anxiety. I get so obsessed over, you know, is the wording correct? Is someone going to perceive this wrong? You know, how many, how could I say this better? And then I get wrapped up in this idea of, well, I need to perfect it before I can respond or I can't open the message until I think of the perfect response because if they see that I read it and I take too long to type, then this is what they're going to think. And I get down that hole of, you know, I'm lost in this loop of trying to make it perfect that it just gets pushed off and it never happens. And so when she said her husband took two to three hours to send a text, I was like, oh my God, that is me because I won't even wait two to three hours. I'll just never send the text. Like I'll just ignore it and not deal with it. So yeah, that's a fun other thing that I've learned about my OCPD this week. So then that sparked me to think, you know, well, I want to learn more. I want to keep learning more. So let me just do a quick like, you know, OCPD symptom search and see if I can find some like actual articles and research studies. So I went on to the National Institute of Medicine. Like I said, the first study I found was the impact of obsessive compulsive personality disorder, OCPD symptoms in internet users. And I think this study was done in 2017. I'm pretty sure I will be linking the, um, links in the show notes to all of these articles because once again I always encourage you guys to do your own research don't take my interpretations or what I say is fact make sure you're always looking into these things yourself doing your own research and talking to professionals about you and your specific situation so in this internet users study they looked at symptoms in the DSM-5 um, of OCPD and they compared those symptoms to people who frequently use the internet. So they listed eight DSM-5 criteria that they were using to establish if people had OCPD or not. And the requirement was that you needed four or more symptoms in order to qualify to have OCPD. What they found is that if they took those same eight DSM-5 criteria, those same eight symptoms, and pulled internet users, frequent internet users, that majority of the internet users that they did poll had four or more of the criteria associated with OCPD. So that kind of got me thinking because I actually put a TikTok out about this this week because after reading about it, it just kind of blew my mind that not only is OCPD more common than OCD and people still don't talk about that. People don't acknowledge that. There's not a lot of research out on OCPD. You know, it's not a common household disorder that everybody can hear and be like, yep, I know exactly what that is. But on top of that, not only is it more common, but it's common in internet users, which is almost everybody in the younger generations, everybody uses the internet probably more often than not, like in terms of social media, you know, that's what I was thinking. Like in terms of social media, when they think of internet users, that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, so 
a lot of internet users resonated with four or more of those eight symptoms. So it was an interesting comparison to see that this is, yes, a common issue and still known as talking about it, which I just, I still don't understand, which is why I continue to talk about it, why I continue to do this research, not only for me, but for everyone out there. So then that got me thinking about just general symptoms of OCPD and somehow my brain was thinking about birth control. And so I said, oh my gosh, I wonder if OCPD has any limitations with birth control. Like are there birth controls that are better for OCPD or personality disorders or are there ones that are maybe more helpful with the symptoms? Because right now I have Nexplodon, which is a three to four year birth control that they put in your arm. It's a little bar, but something that I don't really love about Nexplanon, yes, it is 99% effective, which we do love, um, but I don't love that a lot of the side effects are, you know, depression, weight gain, headaches, lower back pain, a lot of these things that I actively struggle with in my life, but these are now side effects that this birth control is probably making those things a lot worse. And so I was like, let me see if there's something better out there that may help reduce some of these symptoms or eliminate some of these symptoms. So I went on to the National Institute of Medicine, tried to find some studies on there. Wasn't really successful. Um, I did find a long-term physical health outcome study of having OCPD. And, you know, it mentioned cardiovascular health, you know, like heart and blood vessel diseases, um, high blood pressure, things like that. But I couldn't find anything about periods. And so then that got me thinking, I was like, does, do other people with mental health, you know, issues, do they struggle with birth control? Does it make them, you know, more hormonal, more suicidal, more depressed, things like that? I wanted to know. So I went on Instagram and I asked all of you guys, I said, hey, let me know your experiences on birth control. You don't have to have OCPD, but I just want to know if you've had a good experience, a bad experience, or if you found other alternatives or what's worked for you. And so at first I got some people saying, you know, I've always been on birth control. It's my baseline. I don't really have anything to compare it to, so I can't give a yes or a no. Um, I had someone say that they use uh, tracking their ovulation as their way to do birth control and using family planning apps. Um, someone said Depot, which is the shot that you get every couple months, has been the best option for them. Um, they've never felt stable on any kind of birth control, so Depot was the one that worked for them. So I'm like, cool, awesome. People are responding. I'm loving this information if not for me but if you know i can share this for other people because like i said i have nexplanon i always thought it was great but the more i've had it and the more i've realized you know when i got it in my life and the changes that have happened to me since that period of getting birth control i just i have to wonder if a lot of those things could be associated back to birth control and has it been worse because of the one I've been using because it has been like so many hormones pumped into my body for like the past few years. So then I had someone write in and say that 
NuvaRing made them ragey. So that I believe is an IUD insert. Um, and then they also said Paragard made their periods much worse and the pill helped their PMDD symptoms the most. So Paragard was actually one that I was looking into because it turns out it is a hormone-free birth control option. It's 99% effective and it is supposed to last up to 10 years, which as somebody who doesn't necessarily really want to have kids anywhere in the near future and or maybe never, you know, so that is why I would love to have the option to, you know, if I can have a birth control for the next 10 years, awesome, because if I need to take it out sooner, I can get it taken out sooner, but I just don't want to not have it either, but I want to see if I can get some of these symptoms under control because I've been dealing with back pain for my entire life, you know, the amount of headaches I've gotten in the past couple of years is way more than I've ever gotten. So if I could get rid of that kind of stuff, that'd be great. Um, I do wonder if a lot of like my bloating and, you know, body issues lately have been associated to birth control as well. So it was like, maybe hormone-free might be my way to go. But then I saw someone say, you know, Paragard made my periods much worse. And so I was like, I'll see what people say. Maybe I'll ask and poll about Paragard specifically. And so I did that. And shout out to Jenna. Jenna is my friend from college. Um, she is someone that I've known for several years. She also struggles with mental health. And I've been wanting to have her on the podcast. I've just been so busy lately. And she and I, the last time we saw each other, actually talked about Paragard because she had just gotten Paragard at the time. Um, and I couldn't remember. So I was like, I know she'll respond. Um, and she said, yes, she loves Paragard. The only thing is her period is heavier, but the hormone free, she said she likes it a lot. Um, and then she also said she used to have NuvaRing and NuvaRing actually almost killed her. So maybe we can get Jenna on the podcast. She can talk more about Paragard and talk more about her experience with NuvaRing. And then um, there's also a lot more that I would want to talk to Jenna about on the podcast. But she said, yes, Paragard, no NuvaRing. So if you're worried about, you know, being ragey or being suicidal, increasing depression, maybe stay away from NuvaRing. Um. I also had someone else say yes to non-hormonal IUDs, aka Paragard. Um, they also said that, yes, there are heavy and painful periods, but it doesn't affect your hormones and it's not as bad as birth control pills. And I'm not taking birth control pills ever for one, because blood clots run in my family and that is a common side effect of the pill. And two, I'm not remembering to take a birth control pill. I'm I'm lucky if I remember to take my antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. Like, I'm not trusting myself to not have babies on the basis of me remembering to take a pill or not. So that's why I'm an IUD person all the way. That will always be my choice. So I think if I am going to switch, which I kind of want to at this point, because like I said, I just want to see if there is a noticeable difference. So based on the research, based on everything you guys told me, non-hormonal seems to be something that people enjoy. Yeah, it might be a little bit more intense of a period, but 
if I can have a little bit more of a natural regulated non-hormonal body, I think I'm going to take that over some cramps because I can get a heating pack. I can take some Advil, you know, I can find other solutions to reduce that, but the other symptoms like depression and the headaches and the moods and everything, I'm just, I'm not loving it anymore. So I'll keep you guys updated on the birth control uh, sagas. If you guys ever have any other birth control insight for me, let me know. It's time for Therapy Think, a segment all about destigmatizing mental health through therapy. During this segment, I will give you a sneak peek inside of my weekly therapy sessions and share what I took away from therapy this week. So on top of all of the research and birth control learning I was doing this week, I actually had a lot of other stuff that I was dealing with. So if you're here last week, you know that I opened up re not even redealing with or reprocessing because I never processed it in the first place, but I opened up the discussion of processing what happened to me and my sexual assault experience in therapy for the first time with my therapist, Tina. And after our therapy session last week, after realizing and working through a lot of stuff and coming to a full circle moment almost, like I said, I got off my therapy call. I recorded a 50-minute podcast. I cried. I processed everything. I got a lot out. And then I ended up re-recording a recap of what I spewed out in those 50 minutes and put it into the podcast episode that you all heard. And that came out last Monday. And I was really nervous about putting it out. I got really in my head. I started to put myself down. I started to doubt myself because I got scared. I got scared of people hearing me talk about the sexual assault again. I got scared about reopening that wound because there's a lot of shame and a lot of fear surrounding that still for me. And that's what I'm going to need to work on in these upcoming weeks. But I got two in my head and I think it really took a toll on me. And I got so in my head that I made myself almost physically sick. So on Monday when I woke up, I did not feel well at all. My head hurt so bad and I just spent the entire day laying in the dark, falling in and out of sleep, just taking a full-on sick day, which I haven't done probably since I got COVID over the summer. But I told myself I needed that sick day. I needed the day. I needed to slow down because of everything that I just reopened in my body and reopened in my brain over the weekend. I just, I couldn't wake up on Monday and power through and be like, we're going to get so much stuff done or we need to go, go, go. Like I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. That really set the tone for the whole week almost because after Monday of not really doing anything. <laughs> I woke up on Tuesday and I was like, yeah, I, I have to do work. I have to do stuff. I need to, you know, accomplish things, blah, 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 blah. 
So in the morning, I started doing work. I started going on Instagram. I posted some videos. I recorded some stuff. And after posting those videos, I kind of started to get in my head because I started to compare myself online to other people. And instead of continuing to power through and continuing to be online and working for the rest of the day and continuing to put myself down, I decided it's 70 degrees. It's a beautiful day. You don't have to be doing any of this. You have so much time the rest of this week. And so I took my paint stuff and I went over to the park near my house and I just sat in the woods for three hours, put a blanket down and painted. And I took my tarot cards, did some practice readings and just sat in nature, put on some like lo-fi music and didn't really look at my phone. I put on do not disturb. I was like, Instagram doesn't exist. Nothing else exists. Like I'm just, I'm painting in the woods because I can, <laughs> you know, I can, it's Tuesday. It's one o'clock in the afternoon and I can go paint in the woods because that's like the life I've created for myself, you know? And I don't take time to stop and appreciate what I've done for myself this past year. I don't take time to stop and say, you can have fun like this. Like you don't have to stress all the time. Like there's really no need to stress all the time. And still feeling that, you know, heaviness for Monday and the weekend, I was like, just going to take it slow and keep listening to, you know, what my body wants. So then Wednesday I wake up and I was like, oh, I want to take just like a long shower today. So again, I was like, oh, I need to get work done. I should probably be doing work. But instead, I watched a podcast and I took my morning slow. I didn't go on my phone right away. I just kind of listened to a podcast. You know, I think I did another shuffling of my tarot cards and did a read to like get familiar with those again. Then I did some cleaning. I did the dishes. Um, listened to some more podcasts, took my shower, and after I got out of the shower, put on another podcast and ended up falling asleep. <laughs> so I didn't do any work on Wednesday either. I listened to four hours of podcasts. And one of the podcasts that I listened to was On Purpose with Jay Shetty. And he was talking to Dr. Gaber Mate. Uh, I may have butchered his name, so I apologize if I did, but he is a best-selling author and he came on to talk about understanding your trauma and how to heal emotional wounds. And so I was telling Tina, you know, in therapy that it was kind of like the perfect timing for me to find this podcast episode. He had just put it out and it was perfect because of what I talked about last week. And so on the podcast, he talks about how Trauma isn't what happens to us. It's what effect that event has on our body afterwards. So, you know, what stays with us, what we hold on to, what effect it has on our mind, that's the trauma. The events aren't trauma. Yeah, it's something that happened to you, but the trauma is what you carry around with you. So hearing that, was really nice this week because I feel like that was something I needed to hear, something I needed to process and apply to my own situation to help me come to terms with, you know, 
not come to terms with it, but understand where I'm at with my own trauma almost. So if you guys resonated with last week's episode and you have been carrying around some unresolved trauma, I recommend going and listening to that episode of On Purpose with Jay Shetty to hear what Dr. Gaber Mate has to say because he was very knowledgeable and I found a lot of helpful information to come out of his episode. So I suggest giving it a listen. But yeah, so doing that for myself on Wednesday was really nice. And then Thursday, you know, I was catching up on work, getting everything done that I had to do for the week. And then Friday, I was able to kind of do the same thing, just take an easy morning. You know, Corbin had the day off, so we went and got Starbucks. We played like a video game together. It's like a couple's video game that you have to work together to complete tasks and that kind of stuff. So we did that. And then... Yeah, that was my week. It was really low stress and really chill. And what I talked to Tina about in therapy was that if I didn't open up that conversation in therapy last week, I never would have slowed down. I never would have come to the point of, you know, giving myself that space to rest for the entire week. And I wouldn't have given myself the grace and the respect to process that in the way that I needed to and I told her that us opening up that conversation last week really started a level of honesty within myself that I haven't been doing and finally being honest with myself last weekend helped me be more honest about some other things that I've been struggling with lately and be more honest about what it is that I need to do for me to give myself what I've been essentially searching for or wanting. And I've known this all along, but again, I suppress these things because I don't want to acknowledge that, yes, this is what I want, or yes, this is how I feel. And so trying to slow down, listen to that and honor me more is something that I feel like I was really able to start doing the way that I've wanted to this past week and I only hope that it continues to go in the same way and I told Tina that talking about all of this really almost gave me a sense of like peace and clarity and reassurance as to again just how I've been feeling and I told Tina you know this week I slowed down and I pushed down all of the other typical you know distractions that I think about in a week And I just kind of let myself be instead of do. I just kind of let myself exist almost. And right before I sat down for therapy, I actually got um, kind of like almost confirmation that like, hey, this was the right thing to do this week because something you've been wanting, here it is. Like you didn't have to work for it. It came to you like it just boom, here it is. It's what you've been wanting, what you've been asking for. And since you gave yourself the time and the space to slow down, like here's what you get almost. And so Tina goes, it's it's just incredible because she's like, you're manifesting movement, not only in your life and in your healing, but you know, in your business and the opportunities you're getting, you're making it happen. You're making the movement go, you know, you're the catalyst to all of this almost. And I was like, yeah, you know, it really feels like this week was the key that I needed because 
it reminded me that, hey, like, I don't have to be what OCPD makes me think I need to be all the time. I can be me. And she told me that she's working less on being a human doing and more on being a human being. So not thinking about, hey, this is what I need to do, or this is what I should be doing, or this is what people tell me I need to do. It's what I want to be. So yeah, I told Tina in therapy, I was like, I wanted to dive more into processing the sexual assault and all of that kind of stuff. But just everything that unfolded this week was too good. And I wanted to talk about it. And once again, she said, you know, well, this is where you're at. This is just who you are. And you're just taking it as it comes. And once again, you're just being a human being. So this week, I encourage you all to do the same. Be a human being, not a human doing. Our final segment of the week is Serotonin Script. This segment is all about filling your weekly prescription of serotonin. I will share what sparked serotonin in my life this week to hopefully inspire you to find your own version of happiness. If you want to share how you searched for your weekly dose of serotonin, then DM at the search for serotonin on Instagram to be featured on next week's segment of Serotonin Script. This week, I didn't just have one source of serotonin. I actually had multiple sources of serotonin. So the first source of serotonin for me would absolutely have to be me painting in the woods. Hello, outdoor nature, fall leaves falling all over you. Just like it was raining leaves the entire time in the woods. So peaceful, so chill, such a nice day. So that was a really great part of the week. Another source of serotonin for me this week was my family. I love my family. I love hanging out with them. But this week, my dad had to come to town for work. So I was actually able to go to dinner with him and Corbin the one night. So it was nice to catch up with him. We went to a restaurant that me and him used to go to all the time when I was younger, when I was in college, we would always go eat there. So it was just nice to catch up with him, see him and just spend some time with him. And then I actually got to hang out with my mom and my aunt and my nieces this week as well. And then my third and final source of serotonin for the week was connecting with myself. Just being with myself, being supportive of myself, being patient with myself, giving myself what I needed this week and truly, you know, practicing what I preach. It was really comforting and it really helped me reconnect with myself in a way that I've been missing for a really long time. All right, you guys, that is all of my serotonin for the week. And that is all I'm going to ramble because I've been rambling here for a little while. So, all right. <laughs> uh, my drink is finished. I'm hydrating now, getting some water in me before I go to bed. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go try and calm down, wind down and see if I'll be able to fall asleep at any point. But thank you guys for being here for another week of the Search for Serotonin podcast. I appreciate you all for being a part of the search committee. 
If you liked this week's episode, please go rate, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please give me your feedback. I always love feedback. I'm always trying to make this the best podcast for all of you possible. So let me know what you're thinking. Um, if you're not already following the podcast on Instagram at the search for serotonin, go give it a follow. That is where I post all of my updates, um, post any cool things that I am working on. So make sure you're following that to stay up to date with me and the podcast. Also, if you're not watching this podcast on YouTube, what are you doing? Go check us out on YouTube at the search for serotonin on YouTube. You can find my channel. It's the same podcast. You just get to look at my face and all the weird hand gestures and facial expressions I make. So go subscribe and turn on notifications on YouTube as well. All right, you guys, I hope you have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week, and always remember this world is better with you in it. Bye.